Welcome to the Panoramic Outdoors Podcast, connecting you to all things outdoors. Hey everyone, welcome back to Panoramic Outdoors. This is episode 149. I'm Sheldon Grant. Today's episode is brought to us by Co-op. Co-op is not only a you know building a gas station, um, they also got uh, grocery stores, they got agriculture, whatever you're looking for, you should be looking at your local co-op. They're a big supporter of us, and we couldn't do what we do because of people and members like Co-op. So cooperatives are owned by their members and they only exist to serve the needs of their members as well. So thanks a lot to co-op and on with the show today. It's me and Tristan on the intro. Tristan, how's it going over there? Oh, not bad. I, I think some folks in Winnipeg are feeling a little tender here. It's it's Thursday night and we're, we're prepping for the, the lot. I don't want to say the last, but the, the jets are kind of looking down and out at the moment here, leading into another late hockey game 9 p.m puck drop kind of scenario and yeah not looking good with who we're missing on the on the ice and in the some of the performance of as of late so did did Morrissey skate today though no but I heard Ehlers was skating okay yeah I thought I seen somewhere he was skating today but he could have been just out on the ice too who knows maybe yeah the only stuff I heard was around Ehlers but yeah yeah when the Jets they're down you know a couple good guys and uh when you get a good goalie like Hellebuck, he can only do too much or so much. Hopefully, they can squeak out a few more wins and and beat up on Vegas and and if not, win the series. But mm-hmm. um, it's been a crazy crazy playoff so far. It's one of my favorite times of the year, and I think it's kind of because it's in transition between ice and open water for fishing, and there's not much to do for hunting other than turkey. But do you guys, do you and your brother Chase there have any plans for any turkey hunting, or have you guys even talked about it? No, I, I haven't touched base with Chase around turkey hunting there at all, and I know I'm not going to get out. I think the, the closest thing that'll happen for me is we're talking about getting out for spring walleye opener there and just oh, yeah. uh, casting a few a few lures off the shore there with uh, Mr. McFads. Oh yeah, that sounds like sounds like a good idea. I'm going to try to make it out for that. Um and then not only that, but I got uh, I got a new tool I can use when I go fishing. We are so happy to to actually welcome on board Forge Fairworks. Um it's a locally owned company out of Winnipeg who does uh knives and and hatchets and all that types of like steel forge work plus makes handles and sheaths and everything. Everything's done right here in Manitoba. Um, but yeah, fairs forward, fairs forge work. That's a tough thing to say. It's like a tongue twister, but thanks to them. They're, like I said, based out of Winnipeg knife company, focusing on high end blades for hunting, cooking, and all things outdoors. So they're good, good, uh, really, uh, what is it? Not relationship. Great relationship with us. hundred percent of the work's done in Manitoba and using a unique combination of high tech CNC equipment, as well as traditional methods to create a durable tool that'll last you a lifetime. So thanks again to Ferris Forge Works. If you want to check them out, they're on the old interweb and they're also on Instagram. And while you're on there, if you do make an order, you're going to get a discount and it's a very easy one. It's the same one as Wolove, but it's uh, panoramic. This one's panoramic 10 to get you 10% off your first order. Um, if you want a good quality knife, check them out. Um, and if not, share their stuff. I mean, it's free to share. So we appreciate the support from them and we're going to help them keep growing that business. That looks awesome. I got my knife from them, my new felting knife. 
You can check out our TikTok because I got it on there as well. I got the Japanese petty knife coming in and I, I can't wait to get that one rolling in the kitchen there. I need I needed something with a bit of a, a flatter blade on it. And I think this is going to be just a number here to do a little slicing and dicing. Yeah. And we're going to have them on the podcast here in the future, which is going to be cool because not only is it a local owned business, it's an outdoorsy business. They, have, they like make knives. But yeah, super excited to try out his stuff. Like we've got a few knives and uh, we haven't, we can't give you the, the best critique on them yet because we haven't used them, but we got to touch them and hold them and see them. So we got to put them in action now. Totally. Totally. Um, I was going to ask you about the stars before we get off hockey. Like, oh, sure. How about, how about that Rupe Hint say? Eh? Oh man, he's unreal. And he, you know, the stars doesn't, don't get the credit. They, I think they deserve up here in Canada because they're probably the, one of the farthest Southern teams uh, and don't get, um, you know, too much TV action up here until they play maybe the Jets or, or whoever from Canada. But yeah, they do have a solid team. And, you know, the crazy thing was, is when they drafted uh, Heskinen, that defenseman, Yeah, he's he's a stud on the back end. Not only did they get him in the same draft, they got Ottinger, who's playing really good, and that Robertson, who led the Stars and was like in the top 10 for scoring this year, all in the same draft year. So when you can mix them with some veterans like Ben and Pavelski, yeah, they're unreal. And then Rope Hintz, I mean, he's always he's always been a you know a big piece to their f- top six. And now he's you know, he's just giving her, he's just flying out there. And he reminds me of my old favorite player, Mike Medano, when the jersey's flapping in the wind. That's it reminds me of him every time he goes down the ice. But yeah, they're doing okay. Hopefully they get by Minnesota one more game to win. So yeah, yeah. The bar in the Jets series here, a lot of these series have been close ones. So what do you think of Seattle? went in through the other night now they're up three two. Oh man yeah like i mean i guess i'm i don't know it just it pains me a little to see a team like seattle who's an expansion team and a team like vegas who's an expansion team just be like perennial well i can't say perennial but do well in the playoffs and not mm-hmm. have to go through the growing pains that you know you look at a team like minnesota who had to suck for a long time and, you know, some of these other teams that have had to, like, pay the price for, for a while. And yeah. uh, they Phoenix. just kind of, yeah, yeah. Phoenix is going to continue to pay the price for a very long time, I feel like. But, uh, yeah, it just kind of sucks, eh? Like, to, at least from my perspective, that you know, they they just kind of got into the playoffs so quick and are doing well. So, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a totally different uh, era of hockey from when like the Sharks came in and yeah you know, Minnesota came back and whoever else, right? Kind of crazy. Um, the other thing I've been doing though, my truck's loaded up right now, freaking tarped, strapped, all the merch is in the back of it, and I'm heading to Yorkton tomorrow. I was gonna and, ask, are you excited to go? Because we've been talking about fucking Yorkton for like probably <laughs> about three months now. So hopefully, hopefully you're gonna you're excited and it's gonna be a good show. No, yeah, I'm super excited, and uh, yeah, I'm taking Hack with me, and he's gonna do some shooting. Uh, they have like an archery uh, shoot, and a bunch of other things happening at the same time. So, um, and then we got some tickets to the banquet on Saturday night. So hopefully, we'll rub shoulders with some other people that we've not only know in the industry, but we've had on the podcast that we've never met in person, right? So yeah, like there's gonna be TJ Schwanky there, and um, Cody Robbins, and you know, a handful of other people. And uh, some actually some future guests too that we have lined up for this year uh, are going to be there as well. So it'd be nice just to see them. And I mean, ever since COVID, we haven't been able to get out and uh, mingle with anyone really in, in big groups. So it's, yeah, I am very excited. And I'm excited that we're going to be having uh, all of our stuff there. Our, and we're going to have catch and cook spices there um, and hopefully spread the word about Panoramic and the old Saskatchewan 
province man you'll you'll have to give me the download after oh for do sure you, do you have any spring plans there aside from the the fishing we kind of chatted about Sheldon? not really no i've always kind of said i wanted to try to get out turkey hunting more than i have i've been out maybe half a dozen times in my life but no like i've been kind of just uh yeah waiting for this show and um which is this weekend by the way the 20 or you won't when you hear this the show's already gonna be over probably um but yeah just that's about it wait till uh, open water i think yeah the one part i'll i do miss just thinking about turkey hunting in my head here is that you got to experience some really still and really crisp mornings in the spring year and the actually the fog that we had this morning reminded me a lot of uh when i got my turkey it was kind of like a foggy scenario there which is kind of cool and uh it also made me kind of i haven't tucked the wool love away for the season or like and i probably won't because i still wear it through the summer but like it's i definitely haven't had time to to wear it as much i've just been like wrenching more than i have been anything but it, it kind of made me miss it a bit but yeah, it just goes to show, at least to me, just how versatile that uh, that setup is. Right. And uh, yeah. Are you bringing in, I meant to ask, are you bringing in to, to Yorkton there too? Not to get back on the Yorkton train, but. <laughs> my my plan was, but it's just, um, I was back up north there with work for a while and I was supposed to get a yeah. hold of Jason and, and get some stuff for the show. And I just, I just got too much on the go. Um, but it's only I've packed it and I I'm I uh, put the long johns away for the year, but I still pack my long sleeve and I wear it quite a bit just because uh it's that time of the year where when, when you you're too hot for a sweater, you can take that off and still be comfortable with a say a t-shirt over top or whatever. So yeah, but I've been rocking lately. Yeah, obviously we love it. So if you want to get into some, you can check them out at wool.love. And if you use our discount code panoramic15, like Shellen was saying, that'll get you 15% off your order. Um, they're also on Amazon too, and you can check out their, their sister company there, Northwell. They make a bit of a thicker garment. Um, both are excellent quality and we've been using them for a very long time. So get yourself in some wool love. Yeah. And the other thing I forgot to mention to you too, is I've been talking, well, I've been helping Corey out from all train bear hunts a little bit with some content and he's got so much content and just trying to like kind of stitch a bunch of stuff together to you know create short little videos for him and stuff but like one thing he did invite us to go uh and kind of like go around and kind of just do a bear hunt spring bear hunt up north so it's, it's something that i don't know if i'm gonna be able to find time to do but if i can find three or four days and get up there i'm not necessarily jumping up and down about going to shoot a bear per se but mm -hmm. i'm really excited to like go and maybe like follow a guide around you know, and see what they do and, and get a bunch of content that way, not only for himself, but for us. Yeah. Um, I've never really been in part of the baiting, like bear baiting part of the world. And I know, you know, it's a, it's a good talking subject and everything else. So I'd like to get a firsthand look at that. So that might happen this spring. I kind of forgot about it. Mm -hmm. That that would be cool. Plus who knows what kind of, I don't know, when's fishing open up there. Maybe you could get in a little, a dangle while you're up there too. Oh, I'm, I'm sure I'll figure something out. Yeah. I can't remember <laughs> the day it opens, but um it should yeah it should be about the same time i'm thinking i think even just being up there alone like if you're uh, that all-terrain set up there um just ripping that river with a boat would be something else and dropping a line in and waiting for the walleye to hit or something like that yeah yeah just it's beautiful up there i have i love the north so it's always nice to get back up there totally but speaking of fishing on the south here i i was looking for a few crankbaits because actually um when I was fishing in the white shell there, there was a couple lakes I was fishing on where 
I was trying a slower presentation with jigs and the, the fish just weren't hitting. And I said, screw this. I need to, A, I get bored quickly. And B, I was like, I want to cover some ground. So I threw on a couple of crankbaits and um, they were smashing some big X wraps there, but I landed up losing a few of them. So I needed to replace some crankbaits. So of course I slid down to harvester and uh, Sean not only hooked me up, but like, he's got these like mad deals again going. I don't know how he does it. Like Harvester and Selkirk there is just absolutely wild with some of our, some of the deals that Sean puts out because I was looking for crankbaits. I was initially going to get some repellas there, but his terminal tackle there, he's got these, I'm just trying to find the brand of them now. They're, they're super fancy crankbaits that he's been rocking and they were 50% off. Like I oh, could yeah. not, I could not believe it. It was like, it was a $14 crankbait. I got this thing for $7. It's like kind of like that walleye deep diver style, but not as, not as wide. And I think it's going to do really well in the white shell here for me. So I'm pretty excited to see it. Um, I can't wait to try them out, but uh, yeah, if you, Sean's always got something going on and the customer service is next to none. And you can check out some uh, cool firearms while you're there because there's the, the Herman's uh, Herman's gun shop there, which sells a lot of used firearms. So go check out Harvest there in Selkirk. It's worth the trip, even if you're just going to shoot some shit and uh, have a coffee with Sean. There you go. Um, today's episode, we actually have a really awesome guest. I'm super excited to have him on. But before you start this episode... I would highly suggest to go and watch the first episode of Outlast on Netflix. Spoiler alert, we have the winner on this episode. So you might know who it is, Paul Priest. Yeah, we're super excited to have him on. Uh, I'll say that one more time and repeat. But um, before we get going, I just wanted to also mention about that MKO letter that we were talking about in last podcast. Yeah. Um, we had a few, you know, a little bit of feedback on our Instagram and stuff that, you know, some of the hunters uh, and outdoors people whatever they kind of gave us a little bit of feedback and then happy that sure. we're bringing bringing stuff up like that right good um so i'm just i just again if you guys uh anybody out there that doesn't know what we're talking about do some uh do some research look up the mko letter and and uh and voice your opinion we gotta we gotta we all have opinions we gotta voice them and if you don't mm -hmm. voice them then then it, your opinion doesn't count yeah absolutely right being being informed goes a huge way um and like you said being a part of the cover like it, it's hard to to say that um it, it it's always a word i don't want to say the worst but like i say it <laughs> when, when people complain after the fact you know what i mean so when, yeah. you're pro, when you're proactive and you're part of the conversation i have a lot of respect for that you know what i mean people showing that they're engaged that they care about something and if you're at the table trying to come to a solution like i mean i feel like hopefully that's what we're all there for but like these are complicated subjects for sure. So I appreciate folks taking the time to reach out to us and share their perspective and and get down to some really honest conversation about what do we do about moose in Manitoba? Like, because it, it is a big question, right? And we talk about it a ton on this podcast too. I feel like, I don't know, like Sheldon, what's your opinion? Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And like the other, I'll just kind of copy what you said, but it's just like, the same thing with politics. If you don't vote, your opinion doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like you got to do something. And if you don't do something, then you can't sit there and bitch about it because that just doesn't make sense. So yeah, it's a, like, it's a slippery slope. It's, a, it's, it's going to be interesting on what's going to happen, but if you have an opinion and want to push it, you gotta be, you gotta be at the table like everyone else, or at least 
you know, supporting some of your local, and this isn't only for Manitoba, this is no matter where you live, support those local, those outdoor groups, you know, like for us as Manitoba Wildlife Federation, or, you know, when it comes to waterfowl, like Ducks Unlimited, all these different groups, they, they try to make everything about conservation and fight for conservation. So, um, you know, if you, if you don't want to do the research or whatever, it's, start joining groups or donating to groups because it helps them out yeah absolutely right and and they do like there's a lot of groups out there that actually do the dirty work of breaking down policy and stuff like that so i know it can be kind of you can feel kind of uh, like a lot to take in to to look at a, a policy or like a recommendation but like there's there's groups out there that that do the work of like breaking it down into to regular terms so and then it's just one other way to have you know that that full conversation around it so you're absolutely bang on there Sheldon. we got to support the groups doing the work on the ground and uh, be appreciative of that and i did figure out what those lures are called they're called salmo and okay. they they look absolutely stunning there yeah so i can't wait to get some of those in the water i'm not a huge about free ad reads like if anybody's listened to our podcast before but do you have any of those uh element custom baits oh yeah yeah I, i've run those before and they they seem to work well like and guys swear by them on the on the lake on big big windy there i mm-hmm. haven't used them much in the summer um but mainly because my my style of fishing isn't like uh i either stick to like a jig and minnow or do like the the uh the crankbait but mike did make me up a custom it wasn't an x wrap it was like a deep diver by rapella mm-hmm. and, and he uh he painted that up nice for me so I did. I did appreciate that. Yeah, he does beautiful work. I see it all over Instagram. He's got a bit of merch, and I love supporting local businesses. So if you guys are do like looking for some new uh, lures this summer or whatever, check out uh, Element or Custom Baits or find them on Instagram, Facebook, any basically anywhere. Just Google it. You'll probably find them too. So if you can't find them, send us a send us a line and we'll hook you up with them. But yeah, he makes awesome stuff. I'm super happy that he's doing well. Totally. Well, should we get to this? Uh... Yeah, it's Fire's Off. This is, uh, like I said, the, the winner of Outlast coming at you from Netflix. Well, tonight, today, whenever you guys are listening to this podcast, I got an awesome guest. I seen him on Netflix, actually, and we were soon to send out an send out Instagram message to Paul Priest from Outlast, one of the finalists, let's say winners. One of the winners. Right? One of the winners. That's right. <laughs> nice. Hi, guys. Welcome, welcome to the show, Paul. Thanks, guys. How you doing? Man, it's uh, it's been a whirlwind of a day. I know uh, we we're kind of talking before we started recording, but we finally got to schedule schedule this podcast. It's been a couple of weeks now that uh, rescheduling and everything else. So I'm so happy that we uh, we got to put it together. I'm, I'm excited to be on. I've been looking forward to it. Um, April, I forgot to ask you. Do you have any five burning questions ready to go? I have five five burning okay. questions, just in case you didn't. <laughs> I got I got two right off the bat. So how about I ask my two and you finish them off with your three? Okay, sounds good. All right. So Paul, we, what we do in uh, with Panorama is we do five burning questions at the start of each episode. It's kind of for us to get to know our guests, and not only that, for our listeners to get to know the guests as well. Um, you can ask them short form, long form. It doesn't matter to us. But my first question is if you had one last meal or maybe it was the meal before you went out into the bush on uh, Outlast, but what would that last meal look like? Like, what would you have and what would you have to drink? Yeah, it, it'd be a, to drink. It's always going to be a monster rehab because I'm a caffeine addict. <laughs> 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 and, then, and then probably the same thing I had when I came out of the bush, it would be a double cheeseburger with, with egg, bacon, in the works and, nice. and some fries just loaded down with salt man yeah <laughs> the most unhealthy stuff you can get right <laughs> <laughs> what 
Well, you got to do that. You got to treat yourself, right? That's right. Um, my second question is, um, I don't know like if this is going to be over the top or not for yourself, because I don't know you yet, but I call it, I call it, pardon my French, we call it the fuck you money. But if you had a bunch of money come to you, what's the first toy that you'd go out and buy if you, if you could just blow it? Uh, so does it have to be a toy? Because probably a farm far, just far away from everyone with a huge <laughs> white tail. That'd be it or else. Yeah. Yes. Just disappear. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a good answer too. It doesn't have to be a toy. I guess your farm can be a toy too. Yeah. April, you ready to rock? I'm ready to rock. So my first question for you, Paul, is what is the last thing that you Googled? <laughs> Believe it or not. Panoramic outdoors. <laughs> yes, exactly right. So, so I, I had Googled it when you first messaged me. Uh, but uh, today I was spending some time uh, with Joe Miles from uh, Osseo Camo and, and in, uh, also Bobby Worthington. Uh, and uh, we were talking about your podcast and I Googled it and showed it to Joe. Let Joe have a look at, you know, Joe's got the hunting show and, and a podcast of his own and in, in the Osseo camo gear. Uh, and he found it really interesting. So that's the last thing I Googled, guys. That's cool. Great question, April. Um, which one should I go with next? Um, I want to save that one right for us to get started. Okay, so my next one is what or who inspires you? Oh, gosh. It's, it's probably <laughs> – there's – I'm going to give two. Okay. So, so one is my father. Um, we didn't have a relationship growing up. My dad left when I was um, in first grade and we didn't have a relationship until I graduated high school. I was in 19 turned 20. So I didn't know who he was. Mm -hmm. Right. And then when I finally got to know who the man was and just seeing how remarkable he was and, and how he has came so far with what little he had to start with. And there's nothing I can't take to this man that he can't fix or he doesn't know how he always has my back. So he's, you know, I, I kind of idolize the guy, you know, uh, so it's a really good story. And the next would be my fiance. This <laughs> look, I've only been retired for three weeks, but staying <laughs> home with, with, with the kids, I've got a, I've got a four year old and a nine year old at home and it's dad, 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 constantly, constantly. <laughs> and, and to do that all day long, plus she's finishing her doctorate right now. So to, to keep that 4.0 in finishing a doctorate and take care of me, cause I'm a child too. And our two kids, <laughs> hats off to her man that's full time I, that's that's what i look up to right now that's a lot of work being i like that parent. answer yeah oh it's, yeah um my last question for you paul is if you could take only three items into the wilderness what would they be yeah it'd be a pot for cooking an axe and, and a boat right like you're that boat didn't leave your side there for a long time during the show hey so you said that your yeah. last one was a bow uh yeah it, it, I, I think I can do what I'm, everything I need to do with those tools. So, yeah, the last thing would be a bow for sure. Oh, yeah. um, before we kind of get into the meat and potatoes of the podcast, talking about obviously the show that you're on on uh, Outlast and, and some of the outdoor activities that you do, um, when, do you mind maybe like backing up to maybe where it all started for you? I mean, from the very start um, for, I don't know if you'd want to call it a character, um, a contestant on the show, uh, you're obviously one of my favorites because I related to like the outdoor lifestyle that you that you live and hunting and fishing obviously so maybe can you like back up and tell us like where that all started and where you grew that passion of the outdoors yeah sure um i grew up in eastern kentucky in in very very poor rural area and um i don't know if you've seen my bio we we were homeless for several i mean more than once and you know we um so hunting and fishing it's kind of a way of life there like um most people in rural kentucky um they get their first shotgun before they can walk, you know, a grandparent or someone to buy it for them and, 
and you're fishing as soon as you can, can reel a rod. So you're, you're just born into that lifestyle. And, and you do it out of necessity. So for the show, I've mentioned before, you know, I've been trained for that show my whole life and didn't even mm -hmm. know it. You know, this is just everyday life for, for people from, you know, from the mountains. And it's just, it's just everyday life. Uh, and you said Kentucky? Yeah, I'm originally from Eastern Kentucky in the coal field. Okay. Uh, Pike County, Kentucky is where I'm originally from. I've been in, living in Knoxville, Tennessee now for, for the last five years. Okay. Right on. And then, so you said that you're most recently retired. Like what, what did you, uh, what'd you do for a, for a job uh, in the last few years? Yeah. If, if, if you're born in West Virginia uh, or Kentucky, uh, you're, you're a coal miner, right? You come out of coal miner. Uh, a lot of, a lot of kids straight out of high school, their college isn't, you know, it, more so now it's, it's more kids are looking that way, but you know, when you're back, when I grew up, everyone was a coal miner. Your, your dad was a coal miner, your grandfathers, it's just generations of coal miners. Um, so my, my background has been, is coal. And, uh, so I started working in the mines and, in the, uh, prep plants and then went to process engineering and then into, uh, sales engineering. Uh, so I worked for FL Schmidt for a while, uh, one of the world's largest coal and cement companies. So mining has been my life since I've been 18 years old and, and it's, it's, um, made the world super small to me because I've traveled all over the world working with that. Uh, had a global position and, and then a little bit smaller and smaller until finally um, I'm able to step away from that and focus more on the outdoor world now. That's awesome. And, you know, I don't want to jump too far, um, but like, what are, what are some of your goals in the outdoor world? I mean, if you're freshly retired, uh, I mean, you look fit as a fiddle young, like you must have a lot in the tank for the outdoor world. Like what are some things, I mean, it, you don't have to let all the cats out of the bag now, but like, what are some things <laughs> right. that you're looking forward to here in the future? Yeah. So, I mean, I've started a little podcast of my own, but I'm horrible at it. So uh, all the Outlast stuff is on there. So I'm really going to transition that into an outdoor show. And um, so I'm looking really forward to that and meet new people in the industry. Uh, I've got personal goals. Uh, you know, I, I'd, I'd like to to start working uh, with some of these, these larger outdoor uh, companies, maybe shoot a few hunting videos um that kind of stuff you know and, and maybe develop a few product lines along the way mm. that's awesome that's really cool shelly paul's at uh paul's at like whitetail camp right now yeah, yeah. I, I was kind of chit-chatting with him there on instagram and yeah it sounded like uh he was on like one of my trips of the lifetime and just on a regular <laughs> tuesday yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what happens when you're retired. You get to do those things on a regular Tuesday. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, right on. So yeah, there's like I've kind of uh went to a few times before now is that you're on that TV show called Outlast. And I know April's like been itching to ask a bunch of questions. So I'm gonna kind of almost give her the reins and I'm gonna be color commentary. Um for cool. a few reasons, like I was kind of explained to you there, Paul's that I've kind of last minute jumping on here because of some travel restrictions with work. So I like to do a lot of inf like research and I just don't feel very, very prepared. So I do apologize, but I'm going to let yeah, no April, April kind of run with this and I'm going to probably fill in with uh, the odd question here or there. <laughs> if, if she gets too aggressive, just smoke her off me. Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, okay. I have like a whole bunch of questions written down. I'm so let's, excited for this. Let's get um, Adam. Don't leave any out. Let's get it. Okay, so I first of all, I want to know how did you even hear about Outlast and like what made you decide to be like, yeah, okay, sure, I'd like to do this. <laughs> so, have you watched the series Alone? Oh yeah, yes, yeah. So, so like, I'm a huge, a huge fan of Alone, 
And uh, I've got to meet some of those guys and talk to some of those guys after the show, by the way. So I'm pretty stoked about that. But uh, anyways, um, huge fan of that. And I was just Googling all right, how to get on a loan. And this, oh. I guess, you know how algorithms work. And yeah. it, just, it just popped up, uh, you know, on one of my social media platforms that they were looking for cast members for the show. And so I applied for it. And honestly, I didn't think I'd ever hear from it again. And like three weeks went by and I, and I get this, this email and they want a short 10 minute, you know, bio video. So I'm like, Oh Lord, I'm in the middle of Knoxville. How am I going to make this look redneck? You know, how am I going <laughs> to hillbilly this stuff in the middle of Knoxville? <laughs> so, so I, I, I go out in my backyard, pull my side by side up. I, I put different size wheels on it. I mean, I just redneck it the best I can pulled up into, into subdivision. There's little tree lines that separate the properties. So I pulled them up into that. The neighbors probably thought I was stupid. Um, shot my bow a few times back there and, and just done a little, little quick bio. And, uh, I think my statement was, you know, you could, you could drop me off in the wilderness for two years and just give me a knife and I'll come out gaining 15 pounds. By the way, that was not true. That was a total <laughs> lie, <laughs> but it worked. Right. And, and then I get a call back. I get a call back about three weeks after that. And they're, they're wanting to do some background check. So I give them all my information and don't hear anything back for a while. And I was telling my fiance, we just got scammed. Watch the bank account. We're going to get drained. You know? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah. And uh, so then I get a, a, a call and set up a Zoom meeting and it just it just took off from there. And you go from 2000 people to 200 people to 20 people to 16 people. Right. And uh, yeah, it was it was I mean, just to get on the show, it was crazy. And, and I caught COVID the week before it was time for me to fly out. So oh, it was no. a chance I wasn't even going to make it then. Got a got a negative test back the day I had to fly out. Oh, wow. So uh, oh, nice. the stars just aligned. I mean, it was just pure luck all the way. Did you get a chance to watch anybody else's um, like videos that they sent in? There, there. Yes, I did. There, there. Actually, I think it's Tatum or Tudum or something. They have that. You can go out and watch everyone's you know intro videos. I did not watch mine. I did not watch mine, but I've watched a few of those. Yeah. I'm going to go watch it. I'm just thinking to myself, I'm like, I wonder how many other people did like a super redneck video. <laughs> I'd, like to know. I'd, say, I'd say everyone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of alone He's and being an alone fan, we've, uh, I don't know if you know this, but we had uh, that Juan Pablo on that was from Manitoba here who won uh, season nine. Oh, no so we've had him on the podcast. He's really interesting. Yeah, good, good deal. I, I've I've spoke with. I think it's okay to say prior to going on Outlast, I spoke with Jordan Jonas a few times. And then oh, yeah. after coming off, and and then a couple of others. But yeah, I'm still ready to go on that show, uh, and I'm ready to go now. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Well, here's here's to you getting onto that show because I think uh, I think I don't know if you would like. I don't know. I have no idea because probably. April's going to ask a lot of questions. That's going to, we're going to talk about a last and like how that all worked out compared to what we think alone is. So yeah. it's going to be interesting. So anyways, I, carry on. I know yeah. that like, I know that what we see is going to be very different from what you experienced. And I'm, I'm interested in that. So mm -hmm. you decide that you're going to go on this, you decide that you're going to go on the show. You finally got the like, okay, what do your friends and family think? Do they think you're crazy? Your fiance's oh, sure. probably like right behind yeah. you and she's like, do it, do it, do it. Right. Well, they're, they're, they all think I'm crazy. And I guess, <laughs> uh, no, she was like, look, if you're going, you don't come home unless you win. Right. Like you leave me here with these girls by myself while I'm working on this, you know, for, <laughs> cause we thought maybe it'd be gone three or four months. You didn't know. Right. And she said, right. you, there's only one way you come home in winter or, or in a body bag. Don't come home. Without it. <laughs> so, so yeah. Um, but I, I guess when I came back, you know, most of my family was like, 
I didn't tell anyone. Like no one. So so show, the show was shot a year ago, and I went mm. almost thirty days before I even told my my fiance that I had won. She had no idea. So when I came home, I'm just like, hey, I done the best I could do, and that's all. I, I didn't say anything else. <gasps> that's no so terrible. <laughs> yeah. So so in the end, in the end, you see, you know, the money bag, right? Yeah. In the show, I'm probably jumping way ahead, but that money is obviously not real money, right? It's show money. Yeah. And so when it first came out, and you seen Seth hit Nick and I with it, I start yes. freaking out. Because yes, thinking, and it's like blowing up, yes. and it's like in and the I'm, water and everything. And I'm like, oh my gosh, he's ruining money. <laughs> <laughs> I was digging in the rocks. I'm like, I just went through 36 <laughs> days for this, and you're doing what? And so they got a good laugh out of it. But anyways, I, I brought home three hundred thirty-three thousand dollars of that fake money, and I snuck it in the house. So after about a month, I couldn't take any more of it. And she was in the living room, she and the two girls, and she was they were doing something. And I was in my office, and I said, I, I got the money out. And I just said, hey, I, I want to show you something. Just close your eyes. I'm coming in. And, of course, she thought I was an idiot, right? What? She doesn't trust me. Right? What are you doing? So I came in, and I said, open your eyes. And as soon as she opened, I just threw the money up, and it just started raining down. And she uh -huh. just froze. And she thought it was real. She's like, oh, my God, there's no way. You won? And and it was just the greatest thing, you know. But, uh, yeah. Uh, and, then, and then once my family found out, they didn't find out the show came out. And uh, I'd, I'd rent a huge cabin, and we all watched it at the cabin, and they didn't even know. So once they found out, they're like, I knew you were too stubborn not to win, you know. But, oh, my gosh. But yeah, they all thought I was crazy for doing it, for sure. I wouldn't have been able – I would not have been able to a save month? all of that. Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah. insane. Yeah, I had to like, sit on it for a while. And especially your family and friends. So you – but you um, you – recorded a year ago you said right yeah a year ago yeah. and it just came out like yeah. what four or five weeks ago yeah march came out march to 10th i believe yeah, yeah. i'm mm -hmm. i don't remember i don't know what day i binge watched it but when i opened march up 11th. netflix it was there probably but i didn't know about the show until i saw it right like yeah, I, me neither. it just yeah. showed up on netflix and i was like oh this is cool and I started watching the first episode and like for me there needs to be like enough drama or something happening to like hook me in the first episode or two and there's yeah. enough drama in there to hook you for sure <laughs> yeah <laughs> for sure so much that it kind of overrode uh the original idea of the show you know you yeah. don't see you don't see any of of the bushcraft any of the surviving you, yeah. I mean, you see the surviving but you didn't see any of any of the survival stuff that we did None of the hunting. You don't see any of that because the drama was so great. It just it just took a whole life of its own. You know, mm -hmm. you had guys, they shot 7,000 hours of video and they had to put it in seven hours. And, yeah, that's... You, you know, and you had to tell a story with that. So everything's mm -hmm. not, you know, there's a lot of good stuff's not going to make it because this show was crazy from get-go. Mm -hmm. um, so unfortunately, unfortunately, a lot of that got, got left on the cutting room floor. That's, and that's the thing that, like... I'm not going to say I turned my nose up on it, but like when I first came across, well, first of all, whoever runs out last did a terrible job advertising for it because I didn't know anything about it until I seen it on Netflix. And then when I read like the thing, it was like, I can't remember what the title said. It was like a mixture between alone and survivor or something like that. I can't remember, but I was like, oh man, I definitely got to check this out. Cause I love survival, like movies, TV shows, books, mm. anything about survival. So yeah. And then I turned it on and then I'm like, wait a second. This is like survivor. Like, I wanted I wanted to see more of the bushcraft stuff, you know. Like, it was crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we I, I'm a huge. My fiance and I are both huge fans of Survivor. And uh, once once we kind of they told us how the game was going to go and the rules to the to the game because it, it was right. It's a game. 
And uh, I'm like, oh, let's start over on Survivor from season one and just binge watch. So we were watching Alone and Survivor, Alone and Survivor. So that's how we prepped for it for the show. Yeah. <laughs> Which, nice. which is literally my next question for you was, okay. um, what did you do in preparation? And I know that, you know, in the, there's a bunch of episodes and you had said that you were a bow hunter and you have the bow from the beginning and then you're hunting with Jill. Um, yeah. so did, so alone in survivor plays kind of a role in you prepping, but then did you do any, did you do anything else? Like, is your background in fishing and hunting? Did you prep in that way somehow too? Yeah. So, so again, I've, I've grown up with a bow in my hand and, and a fishing rod in my hand. So that's, I've always done that, but, but, uh, I'm not a traditional archerist, archist. So, um, I, I got with Bobby Worthington. I, I look him up. If you don't know him, he's like an eight time, uh, national, uh, traditional archery champion. And, uh, he's, he's got a couple of different books out. Uh, he used to write for North American whitetail. Like this guy is, you know, the, the who's who in traditional archery and uh there's it's a great story how i got up with him i, I went and bought a longbow at the local archery shop and they didn't know anything about it and then i went out back and i shot it for a few times and I, it was so humbling and then I, I come back and a guy reached me his number and said give the guy a call so i called bob and he's like yeah I'll come up so i go up and uh we we go to um an, an indoor archery range and uh we, we go in to shoot and we get about 10 yards from the from the target and i shoot three shots and they're like ringers whap 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 great <laughs> and he's just really he's really quiet and he's just looking at me and i'm like i've impressed this cat and he said he just <laughs> looks and he rubbed his chin he said i've never seen so much wrong with one one person in my life and i was like what <laughs> and so and i'm looking at these arrows and he said i don't care where your arrows hit and he said your form was trash let's go get something to eat we're gonna be here for a long time so <laughs> And we did. And literally we, you know, we shot for about three hours. And when I left, he said, um, I'm going to have to go home and shoot just to make sure I'm not dumber now. And, and I'm like, oh man, I must be really bad. <laughs> so, uh, but he, you know, he's that kind of guy. And I just, I fell in love with him from that, from right there. And I had no idea who he was. I, I, I didn't know any of his credentials and didn't care. I liked him, you know, just, I just liked him from, from, and we're, we're best friends right now because of, because of that. But, but I got that one day with Bobby and then, uh, then he, he had COVID. And then I had COVID and then that was the only, the only thing I had. So, you know, I had to take the seven steps and remember them the best I can and then work with them actually through the show. Uh, mm -hmm. So it was a very steep learning curve for me. Yeah, for sure. Which I wish they would have shown more of that in, in yeah. the show, because there's like two, two episodes, maybe three episodes that they show you like out bow hunting and, you know, and then yeah. they show more of the, more of the discussions with Jill than they do the bow hunting part. I Unfortunately, you know, that kind of fit the narrative of the, the direction the show went, right? So we kind yeah. of lose, uh, we lose what originally was, should have been the heart of the show, and that's outlasting and surviving. Uh, I'm, I'm not disgruntled about the way the show went, right? I, it, yeah. I think they've done a great job telling a story with what they had. There's a lot, again, 7,000 7, hours, and you've got to put it in seven hours. I think they told the right story. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, what they didn't show is I actually shot a deer. Uh, <gasps> I, I didn't get it. I didn't get it. I didn't get it. It, it ran out to muskeg and, and into some really thick stuff. And we were afraid brown bears were in there. They were in there. So that won't get showed for different reasons. Um, I, I killed a squirrel with a bow. Uh, I, shot, I shot a marmot with a bow. Like I, I took animals with a bow while I was there. You just won't see that on the show. Ah, oh, that's... Like that was one of the things that I really, really wanted to know because you, um, how many days were you there again in total? So 36 days, according, I was there for 42, 36 days of filming. 36 days of filming. Yeah. So in, and you would, you know, you would think 
that a bow hunter um, and somebody that has a lot of knowledge in in the outdoors, you would you would think that they would potentially get on animals of some kind. And so I was really hoping that you would say that you had some opportunities and shot some things because I don't know. I just yeah, I felt it, like it needed to happen. Yeah, and, and they're not going to they're not going to for whatever reason there wasn't room for that in there, but uh, that yeah. it did happen. And in you know, and, and I'm a, a white a white tail hunter. Uh, just by proxy of where I was raised, right? And that's what I've hunted my whole life. And uh, so when I go on that show, now we're hunting blacktail. I know nothing about. And so that that was humbling in itself because, you know, they call those deer in with a piece of weed. I don't know if you know that or not. They stick weed between their thumb and that, and that's how the locals call their deer in. So you got to learn that really quick too. And it was, it was something I never really picked up on. So um, it was pretty challenging for sure. And, and, you know, you've got, look, there's, there's four, four teams of four in there. And there's camera crews with each team. There's bear guards, there are producers. So there's a lot of people in your area. Mm-hmm. And those wild animals are only going to put up with that for so long. So yeah. now your game gets pushed further and further out. And it's just getting pushed further out. And you're also depleting your energy as the days get longer. And you have to go longer and longer and longer to find these animals. It's just, it's really hard. Um, and when you go on these hunting trips, you've got, you know, you've got a bear guard, you've got a producer, you've got a camera guy that's never been in the woods in his life outside of toting a camera. So you know, he's wearing cologne and a big orange jumpsuit and he, it, it's, it's almost impossible. Right. It's real. Yeah. Did you, uh, were you guys able to eat what you harvested? What little bit of it we did, if we harvested. Yeah. Um, so I'll, let me take that back. So the squirrel I shot was actually, was actually, uh, <laughs> we shot that, I shot that squirrel that morning. It was just the one squirrel. So we skinned it and we hung it up. And we're like, we're not started starting a fire for this thing. So we conserved our energy and we'd start a fire at night for an hour to just get warm, dry our clothes and go to bed and we'll let it burn out. Mm-hmm. So we said, we'll wait for the night. We start our fire and we'll eat it. So we hung this squirrel up and one of those huge rodents came up and snatched it out of the tree and ran away with it. Oh um, my but, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. But, but we, we did, we did kill, we did kill something that at the time was not in season and we ate that. Uh, we had no idea trapping season was, had started like two days after we had done that but look we hadn't ate in two weeks and i, I hit it with a bow and uh, we ran it down we ate it so there was a little bit of i think we spoke to uh actually i'd been home for about three months and got a call from the game warden from alaska to close that case out yeah it was taken care of and i'm sorry alaska but yeah that <laughs> happened also <laughs> we, we shot a meat <laughs> it, awesome. it was it, it was funny. We were eat, we, we were eating this thing, and then you know the bear guards there. They're they're locals, and this guy was just looking at us in such disgust. He's like, "I can't believe you're going to eat that thing." I'm like, "Yes, we are." And, I mean, when uh, you're hungry are, enough. Oh yeah, yeah. And we were like, "You want some?" And he's like, "No way." He was just so disgusted. But before the <laughs> night was over, he actually tried a piece of it just so he could say he had eaten it. You know. Um, so yeah. you guys had bear guards the whole time while you're out there? Yeah. So here's the thing about a bear guard. We had a bear guard and his camp was about a hundred yards from you. You So he could shot the bear off your dead body is what he could have done. Oh, okay. You know, out, outside of that, I don't know what else he would have done, you, you know. And, yeah. But like, did it not like for you guys as contestants or anybody else, did it, was it a safe feeling having them around or like, did it matter? Like him it, there it, or not? Like, would it matter it, to you? Honestly, it absolutely did not matter. They did not need to be there. So I, I don't look, this is outside of native production stuff. I probably shouldn't be talking about because I don't know the rules of it. Right. I don't know how the insurances play out. I don't know any of that stuff or why they were there, but it made zero difference. There's look there. There's more brown bear per square mile there than anywhere in the world. Right. So the danger is, is real. 
but it's mm-hmm. no different than the guys in you know, alone that get dropped off without bear guards. Right. And and bear guard, bears are like anything else. They're not going to stay around while this human activity is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they, I feel they, they were unneeded. And, and I look, I, all the, the guys that were there, I, I know they all, you know, they've done great jobs. I'm not knocking them at all, but it could have been shot without them, you, you know. But mm-hmm. again, I don't, I don't know the ins and outs of the insurance policies and while they were there. Yeah, I, I don't know them either, but yeah, it's definitely got to be something with the insurance and maybe having cameramen and, or a crew or a working crew for their insurances. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, insurances for yourself should be par- fairly parallel to like a contestant on alone, but on alone, they're self filming and, and all that other stuff, right? As far as I know. Um, but who knows? Yeah, it's right. crazy Hollywood, Hollywood <laughs> world we live in. <laughs> yeah, and, and you're right. You know, you've got camera crews and producers and, 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 and all that going on. So maybe they were, they were there more for their protection than ours. Who knows? You know, yeah, uh, again, they were, far, they were far enough away that they weren't going to save us if something happened, but they could have recovered our bodies. Maybe, you know? Yeah. Did you guys have any other like forms of safety besides a bear guard for wildlife? So, besides, and so besides when, your bow? Yeah. So when we came on the show, they, they give you bear spray, which <laughs> I am not spraying a brown bear with bear spray. That's just, you're asking for trouble, right? So that was gone and they give you a flare gun. So with a flare gun, if, if you feel like you need to leave or you're in danger, uh, you shoot that flare off and within two and a half, three hours, somebody will come and get you. Uh, so the bear spray went in the trash or, or went in the bottom of a bag and uh, my flare gun went in the river immediately because I wasn't shooting that thing off. I remember you saying that somewhere. I don't remember mm-hmm. what episode it was, if it was at the end or what it was, or maybe I read it, but I, yeah. or you know what? It might've been on your podcast because I've watched yeah. the two episodes and okay. I remember you saying, I got there and I f- threw that flare gun in the river. Yeah, it was gone. I, I didn't want that to be a crutch or something to even think about, right? I mean, there was, I, my mind was made up. I was leaving one of two ways and, and that was on a gurney or a winter. And uh, I, I think if you had that to lean on and that's in the back of your mind, all I have to do is pull it. The first time you think about all I have to do is pull the trigger, just pull the trigger because it's going to mm-hmm. be in your mind every other day until every day and then every minute and you're just done. So mm-hmm. that was yeah. the first time I did. <laughs> I just want like, I just want to know everything about, about the show Let's now. Go. <laughs> like, no, I've got all these course. other questions that are like, you know, nice questions that I want to ask. And then I'm like, ah, uh, you, don't just... have to be, you don't have to be nice. Let's pull some of this stuff out. Go for it. <laughs> okay. Um, can you tell me some of the, th- like, you've watched it. Can you tell me mm-hmm. some of the differences from like what we see as viewers and what's really going on? Like, so we know now that there's actually camera, like extra people there, which I didn't know. And they hide that so well. And you don't, you don't hear, um, you don't hear anybody else out of the crew. Like, you know, obviously there's a camera guy walking around. So yeah. how different is it like is there anything that's staged like do they come up to you and be yeah. like okay we need to do this so yeah don't don't let me paint a picture that that this wasn't real because that's mm-hmm. not what i was trying to do with that um so there's when i say there's producers there the reason the producer is there you got camera crews filming obviously there's too much going on so you got camera crew there going and sound people uh they come in every morning they change your battery out um and then they go, and then you have the camera crew at films all day, and then you have an interview every single day from a producer. So they, there's not a script. Nothing, nothing is planned out for you. Um, everything that happened is is legit. Um, you know, it, it was. Um, you know, it, it it flowed the way it flowed, and everything you've seen actually happened. You know, everything was organic. Uh, I'm not going to say that we didn't do something, and they're like, "Oh, we missed it. Can you can you do that again?" Because that I think that happened once or twice, and we finally got to the point where we're like, "No." no, keep up. We're not, we're not doing this. Uh, mm-hmm. 
and and I'm speaking from my side on on Charlie Camp. I don't know anything about the rest of the the rest of the yeah. stock. That's <laughs> yeah, it's, it's fairly interesting because like obviously being um, watching it on TV, the first thing that I did notice, I'm like, hey, well, clearly they have camera and people there. And like the only thing I think about when when that stuff happens is like Bear Girls. And you hear like the stories about him when he's like actually not doing what he's doing, you know, and eating yeah, steaks at no, night. So, so, but, so let me tell you, let me throw this in there. So everyone who came in, they left. They, they would come in about an hour or two after daylight because it's about a two hour trip, you know, by boat. And then they would leave an hour or two before dark. So at nighttime, it was you, right? These, these people came and went. Uh, they filmed during the day and at night, you were just on your lawn with a mic attached to you. These, every, we stayed out there. Everything was legit. Everything we went through was hardcore. Nothing was planned. Nothing was easy. It, it was it was legit suffering the whole time we were there. Mm -hmm. And there and there were people that like left because of mm -hmm. you know not being able to handle it or like just like suffering, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. the, the other thing too that um I just want to mention before we get too much farther is that it, we should have said at the very start. Spoiler alert: We're gonna like dive into some of these uh, things that have happened. So if you haven't watched the, this, what we're talking about, go and find it and watch it, and then you'll understand what we're talking about. And second of all, there's a lot of spoilers within the show. So now that we're like well into it, might as well tell everyone that now. Um, but the first <laughs> thing that I, I kind of wanted to mention to you was like you were you obviously had a camp, you had a like um you know fairly good group of people, and and you had to make some changes. Was any of those changes maybe with you or anybody else in those shows? Or anybody else in the show premeditated or like asked upon by producers like hey there's not enough no. drama let's let's create something here <laughs> absolutely not and again i can only speak from my point of view or from absolutely from, from my camp right yeah uh so and i was on dnc and none of that was ever uh we were never probed by producer to make any types of moves we were never forced in any way to do what we were left to do at will what we wanted to do so everything we done was of our of our own accord yeah for sure and there was like, there's a lot of different levels of gameplay on the show from mm. like mental warfare to like sabotage from what you see, <laughs> right? Yeah, from what, they, what they've been able to cut out of that 7,000 hours and put on the show. So yeah. can you tell us a little bit about what that was like as a contestant and maybe what was your strategy? Yeah, it was it was very taxing. It was draining. It was mentally draining because you you go in you go in thinking you're going to play one show and then and then it comes. I won't say I wasn't prepared because obviously I told you I was watching Survivor and Alone together. <laughs> so once once I found out that you know you know we were given the the game rules and they're like, hey, you've got four teams of four, but you don't have to finish the team you start with. You just need two people to win, no more than four. I I, I knew there could be some social gameplay in there, right? You, you know, mm -hmm. so I had to work on that. So, you know, right off the bat, the, the, the team that I originally started with, you know, with Delta, we were just kind of left hanging out in the dry when everyone's picking their teams. We were just standing looking at each other. So we were kind of the outcast. And the first week or two was great. You know, it, it was it was great. We all got along really well. Um, we each kind of had a role that we fit into and, and we were working really good. And as you get, you know, more and more hungry and, and you know, pampers start to, to flare and, mm -hmm. and it starts to get real and all the niceness leaves and you learn that, well, maybe you're not compatible with everyone. Mm -hmm. And you start looking for, well, can I, can I finish with these four people? And then with me, you seen, you know, I kind of gravitated Jordan. I had a, had a, you know, pretty strong uh, friendship there. And, and I think Jordan for, for me, for sure, Jordan was the glue that kept me with Delta at first. Don and I had, uh, and, and, and this is some stuff that's not came out anywhere. Uh, Don and I fought every single day after the, after the mm -hmm. first week. 
yeah, I called Don talking about me behind my back and it kind of, and, and, and even the word dumb hillbilly was mentioned and, uh, you can call me dumb because I am, and you can call me hillbilly because I am, but don't call me dumb because I'm a hillbilly. That's, right. that, those two have nothing to do with each other. Right. Yeah. So, so it kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. And, and then we just never got along from there. It was literally when a show first comes on, you can hear me screaming at someone. That's the only time you ever hear that happen. And I'm pointing that's Don and I every night, every oh. night. So, so it was, it was literally hell, uh, in D camp. And so, you know, I, Jordan and I talked and I said, Hey, if you ever leave, I'm leaving, I'm out of here. And, uh, if you, if you remember Jordan's note, Jordan pretty much, you know, in his notes said, Hey, make that move. If you, if you go yeah. back and you watch that, he's telling me, Hey, make that move. Yeah. Another thing that you don't know, um, and I hope I'm not jumping a gun here is, what they don't show is it makes it look like I left without telling anybody. And they're like, oh, mm -hmm. he, he done the whatever howling. That wasn't the case. I told Joel the day before, Joel, he's not coming back. I'm leaving. Right. And Joel was like, no, let's, we'll, we'll fix this. And I'm like, you can try what you want, but, but I'm leaving. And uh, he's like, no, no, no. And I said, look, you know, we made a deal for the crab pot. We bartered to put the crab pot in the water and pull it. Not for the crab pot. Crab pot wasn't ours because we had a good raft at Delta, right? Right. And so yes. the barter was used our raft to set the crab pot. Don, if you remember, said, let's steal it. I don't want to work with them. And I said, Don, that's you're opening a can of shit that you don't want to deal with. Let's barter. Let's not do it. No, I don't want anything to do with it. She was so reluctant to work with people. She was the first person to want to steal off of someone. I mean, mm. you, you got wow. everyone can get mad at Jill and, and, and get mad at Justin. But if you go back and watch it, Don wanted to start that game from go. She wanted to start that game. And, and then, and then also, uh, you know, Joel knew I was leaving when I told Joel, I said, Hey, I'm going to leave, but I think we can still work out a deal where you guys can still have crab. I'll come, I'll still set the crab for you guys. And Joel said, if you leave, I will take an ax and chop that raft up. So Joel knew I was going, he was going to destroy the raft. So no one had anything. So these guys have been getting off scot-free, you know, since the show came out and then I've been taking a lot of heat for it. So Joel knew I was leaving. Don did not. And here's the, here's the kicker. You know, Don comes with our cussing me and act like I'm a traitor and everything. What, what it doesn't show that I'm Don, Don is actually talking to the group, talking to Charlie Kemp while I'm in the woods, listening to her talk. And she's trying to talk them into taking her and Joel on and leaving me hang out to dry. She didn't know I already had a home with, with Charlie Kemp. Oh so gosh. these guys are getting off scot-free, you know, and, 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 and they had all this stuff. You know, they were doing just the same thing everyone else doing. It just it just didn't get showed in the show. That's all. Yeah, they just cut so much of yeah, that. Yeah, so that's how that went for us. Uh, they cut all that out, and and you know, in the rest of it, you know, Justin's still in the sleeping bags. Uh, Delta just it just happened to be that Delta was the first camp. Um, was it the right, when he stole the sleeping bags? He thought you know with three bags there, he thought I was still with 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 uh, Delta camp. So he thought that was my sleeping bag. He had no idea uh, that I had left Delta. So the, when you <laughs> right. see uh, Jill and I go on this hunting trip. She's super nervous because she thinks she just stole sleeping bags from my camp. She didn't know I'd left. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, that, yeah, yeah. So, so, and as far as me stealing the crab pot, no, I was returned a crab pot that did not belong to us. Uh, it didn't belong to me. It didn't belong to Delta camp. It belonged, you know, to Charlie camp, a barter that I had made and it was just the correct thing to do. Um, <clears throat> Don, Don was the only person who didn't know I was leaving. Joel knew. So they can play that up any way they want to. Um, Justin's still in the sleeping bags again. That's just, look, it was, was it right? <laughs> no. Was it fair? 100% fair. And mm -hmm. you know, there, it was, there was no rule. So I'm not saying it was the right thing to do. And I'm 
because I was supposed to be in on that, right? I was supposed to, my sleeping bag was supposed to be stolen too. And I'm sure I'd have felt the same way that they feel. Um, the other stuff that's happened across the river, you guys have to know that we had no idea this stuff was going on. No matter mm-hmm. what it makes it look like that we had, we had dealings with Alpha. The only dealings that we had with Alpha was after I left Charlie and they found out about it. Uh, they stole the sleeping bags, right? And then we went on this hunting trip. And that's when Jill found out that I had left. Our deal was that we would not accept any member from Delta and she would not accept any member from Charlie and, or from, um, from Bravo. And these guys would have to get together and make it work. Well, the reason that would work for both of us is Javier and Don were so much alike. Don ran me off. Javier ran all of his partners off. Everybody thinks Javier is the greatest guy, but he's so hard to deal with that they left. His whole team left him. Mm-hmm. And then the guy mm-hmm. cost himself the game. He wants to blame everybody else for losing the game, but let's be honest. Had he crossed the river to Joel and Don, he would have lived peaceful through the whole show on our side because we were playing a straight-up game. But he could not let his camp go. So he threw his own game because his pride got in the way, if we're being honest, right? Mm. So we we didn't want anything to do with the dirty gameplay, and and we made that known. And, and I'll tell you that we were prepared. If any dirty gameplay had come to our end, we were going to wreck havoc. And I don't think anybody wanted that. So we were ready for that. Uh, but we, we didn't want any of that. We wanted to play a straight up game and that's what we did. So our, our integrity is intact. Um, oh, I wanted to know. So in the show, and, and maybe this has to do with like the strategy and you guys didn't want to deal with like, the drama and stuff, stuff like that. But there's the two guys that come over to you um, and they want to join Charlie camp and you guys, they get like, so they leave their people and they make a make drama over there. They want to come join Charlie camp and you guys like go off and have a discussion and then you're like, ah, no, sorry, which forces them to throw the flares. So was that yeah, like no, that, strategy? That, that, yeah, that's Javier. That's one person. Um, Javier had, had already ran uh, within the first two weeks. He ran his first two teammates off and mm. then he ran uh, his last teammate off, which was Brian. So we knew Javier was, was, you know, he was very hard to get along with and he brought a lot of drama with him. And at this time we had four people in our camp. We had Angie, Seth, uh, Nick, and myself. You could, you could take on five people, but you can only win with four. Um, so, you know, we're at the point, you know, that we're wanting this thing to end and, and you know, and it's a game, right? You want people, it, it did not support our game by taking him on for one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we couldn't win with him and we weren't going to let him come in and try to divide, divide our team up to make a place for him. It just didn't right. make sense, right? It just does not make sense for your gameplay. Um, so yeah, I had nothing to do with how we split the money or anything like that. He just didn't fit in to our style of gameplay mm-hmm. and it didn't make any sense to pull him on and take a chance of one of us not being able to complete because of something that he would do. And then mm-hmm. was it, uh, did Justin try and? Yeah. At the end. Yeah. It's, yeah. So, so in the end, Justin came over, you know, he, uh, he and Alpha, uh, the girls from Alpha kind of, you know, they had their little spat mm-hmm. and we're like, okay, let's, let's get Justin on our team. And then that weakens them, right? One more person. And, and um, so, and what you don't know is like Charlie tried to get Justin before I went to Charlie. It, it's not like Jill was the first person that we wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just someone to weaken another team. So, um, yeah, we brought Justin over and he was a member of Charlie, um, for one night, you know, we, we try to play an honorable game and, and we didn't, you know, we said, Hey, we're, we're not going to be tearing up camps. We're not going to be stealing stuff from people. We're out here to play a, you know, a, a, an honorable game with some integrity. And when we took him on, what we didn't know is that he destroyed the girls camps when he left. 
right. you know, he cut the tarp up and done a few other things. And so he came over that night and we were so happy to have him over and, and he was a good fit for us. And he and I went, went deer hunting that morning and we come back and I can see the guys there and they had that look on their face. I'm like, ah, oh, something's up. And they wanted to talk to me. And that's when production had let, you know, they'll know that what Justin had done. And they said, look, you know, you guys had taken him on your team as a member of Charlie. So, and, and you're playing this in this game, but you play it the way you want to play it. So, um, we wanted to keep that integrity intact and, and, and play that righteous game. And, and, and so we, we couldn't take him on, you know, mm-hmm. we, we had no choice, but, but to, to let him go. And, and there were, even though there's, you know, there's not a lot of rules in the game, there were some things you could and couldn't do. And we just couldn't take a chance, you know, of, of being, even if there weren't any being penalized for anything he'd done, we couldn't take a chance for that. Right. We're too close to the end and we just didn't chance it. That's the thing. So, <laughs> I'm like a, a viewer looking in, right? So I know you've got like, there's probably a million things that we haven't seen, but wasn't it like an, a, an arrow that they shot across telling you guys like, well, that was the story. And then when I remember yeah. watching, I'm like, I've shot probably a thousand fucking arrows in my life. And I bet you I found two. Like, how do they find this yeah. one arrow with a, not only that, this one perfect on. arrow. Yeah. No. Hey, you know, that's legit because I saw an arrow across to them. So here's what happens. Um, even though you're half a mile to a mile away from each other, the muscles are all gathered at the same place on the river. And we have meeting places that we walk to. If we wanted to talk to another team across the river, we'd go to the most narrow part of the river. And that's where we would talk. And it's mm-hmm. also where the muscles were. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had binoculars. So every day we would watch that side because they were crazy. <laughs> you know, we didn't want to make sure we knew where every member was at all times. And we watched them every day. So we knew that every day, every morning, they walk up and they gathered muscles from this certain bank. So we went down. And we shot an arrow into that bank and it just, just, it just stuck. I mean, it's perfect where it hit and they found that arrow. And then I guess vice versa, Nick, I don't know if you've seen Nick has to eat 24 seven. So across <laughs> the river from the same place every morning, Nick would go down and get muscle. So we would go with Nick and it's the same thing. So you just shoot it because we're, we're digging these places every single day. So that did happen on both sides. Yeah. And, and then the other part of my question is, so when Justin came over there, and like you said, he was there for a day at your camp, and then you found out what happened. So you guys had to make a choice. Do you ever, now watching the show and seeing some of the shit those other two girls pulled, yeah. and with Justin and everything else, do you almost feel like it was an eye for an eye and, like, maybe we could have kept Justin around? Yeah, and so, and so that was the thing. You know, even though we got that note, we, we kind of know some of the shenanigans that were going on just by seeing it happen across the river. Again, we didn't know 100%, so mm-hmm. we didn't fully believe it, to be honest with you. So that's okay. when we start asking around, you know, in production and stuff. And they're just like, nah, you know, they, they can't really tell you anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, who, uh, <laughs> and this is like, I feel like things change even as a viewer. And so I wonder like as a participant or a contestant, how they, like how these thoughts changed for you. Did you, when you kind of got into it like a week in or two weeks in, did you, think that any one team was going to possibly win yeah um i thought delta was going to win i I mean you know by week one and a half i thought we were going to win because you start seeing flares go off like the first seven days was the worst guys it it rained uh nonstop, daylight to dark and it was the coldest we'd ever been we didn't have sleeping bags at the time some teams couldn't get a fire started so there were just flares going off everywhere and at one point we were the only team with four people right so we're like guys, we're going to pull this off. Mm-hmm. And then Jordan left and we started fracturing. Right. And then, and then at that point, it, it, it was just up in the air. Um, mm-hmm. 
I didn't, I obviously, I didn't think I could win with the team I was with, you know, for, for different reasons. Um, I just couldn't get along there. So anyways, yeah. Uh, the first two weeks, obviously I, I, we thought Delta would win it for sure. I thought he was on it there. And then and after it fractured, we, we knew that wasn't going to happen. Mm -hmm. I kind of, my beginning thoughts were like you and Jordan and then, um, Nick and, um, and then like Charlie kind of as a group with Nick and, and them. And, and then as soon as Jordan had his kind of medical situation there, I guess, because that's what it seems like on the on the uh, show is that he went out for medical reasons. Yeah. And then as soon as that happened and you left, like all of my thoughts about who was winning mm -hmm. definitely changed. And when you got into Charlie, just kind of seeing the way that you guys were playing the game, that was I was like, yep, it's Charlie. <laughs> This is yeah. it. <laughs> so, so yeah, you know, with Jordan going out, he had, he had depleted himself. And Jordan came in there with like 8% body fat to begin with. And mm -hmm. this guy's a workhorse. Like, you know, what they don't show, this guy was carrying rocks every day. He wouldn't stop. And he just, and he was falling asleep, setting up. He was passing out. And so, and then he and I, we sit up every night, been in the fire and talking. And I was always just like, dude, if you leave, I'm out of here, you, you know? So that was that was always a topic of discussion. So when he went out, he and I were cutting wood, and he literally went out and face planted. I mean, it just dumped. It just was hard to have to carry this guy out, all right? And I'm depleted myself anyway. So it was legit him going out. But yeah, when I walked into Charlie Camp, and these guys just, oh, you know, they just woke me with open arms. They had my bed already built, pretty much, and there was no beef going on within that group. Mm -hmm. I, I knew we were we were going to be tough to beat. Mm -hmm. I think the only time that I questioned what was going to happen was the uh, trailer site. When when you watch, I, th I can't remember if it's the last episode or the second last episode when they show um, the camp, the girls camp being sabotaged. I, th I th originally thought that was yeah. you guys. And I was like, what are they doing? Like, this is totally not them. <laughs> And then you watch the episode, right? And then you, yeah. you figure out what actually happened. And I'm like, oh, okay, okay, we're okay here. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that I think everyone knew we were the team to beat. I mean, yeah, we just there was just there was no micro fractures going on. There was no beef going on. Everybody had a role, and they and they they done what needed to be done. We were just we just set ourselves up for the win, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, and I think your communication was really strong. Like when they do show you guys having discussions. It's not, you know, it's, for example, it's not Nick says we're going to do this and you guys just have to listen to him. Like it was like there was actually really good communication mm. going on between you guys. We, we were all on the same wavelength for sure. And it was a majority rule, but I don't, I can't recall. It was very few times that, that we weren't all in agreement right off the bat. I mean, um, we would say what we thought and we, and then we would tell each other why we thought that. And then, and then we went to majority and, mm -hmm. and no one was offended by that. You know, it was majority saying we kept it pretty simple, right? You, you need food, you need water and you need fire. So, and that's what, that's what took up our days was gathering food, gathering fire and gathering water. We had so much, so much firewood stacked up. We would set a goal every day for so many pieces of firewood a piece. And that kept us busy, uh, kept us out of our minds, uh, kept us warm through the day while we were getting the firewood. Um, there was times that we, we slept in camp for days and never moved. The film crew wouldn't even come in because we weren't moving. We didn't have to, we wouldn't put any energy out because we had so much firewood stacked up. Um, mm -hmm. we had, we had fish, um, you know, that we had smoked. There was no reason to get out and do anything. Um, so we were set up, we were set up for much longer than we could have went another month or longer, month and a half and, and never had to hunt another animal or, or catch another fish. 
and and right they don't show that because that's not mm-hmm. exciting like you that's right. you it seems like you guys are all starving to death you know like <laughs> there's the there is the one episode when they showed you guys out fishing and mm-hmm. then um i think it was jill so that's alpha and they were yeah. sure talking about them going to smoke their fish or like um, preserve their fish in whatever way, but then you never see it again and they don't show you anything that you stockpiled. So it, it was almost like you guys were, you know, every single day you're just, you're, you know, if you don't get food that day, you might starve to death. Well, let me tell you that <laughs> we, we had, I, I said we had enough fish for a month to a month and a half. That wasn't sustaining. That was existing at a rapid weight loss. Mm-hmm, <laughs> we, we, mm-hmm. that, you know, we each of us would take one side of the trout or one side of the salmon, whatever we had, and then we would take we would split that up into to four pieces. So each of us each evening would have one tiny piece of that trout or salmon. That's what mm-hmm. we had every day, and that was how we rationed our food out. I can't speak for what happened at Alpha. I like to think it's the reason they didn't show it is because they didn't smoke their fish properly and they were out. I don't know that I don't know that that's the fact, and I'm not saying that's the case, mm-hmm. but that's what I feel. And and they want to show that you know we walked away with a few trout and that was it, but that's not the case either. You know we, <laughs> we caught a bunch of salmon as well. If mm-hmm. if you look and you see us walking away there after the fishing trip, and you'll see Nick and I, we had this. These these the stick on our shoulder with a big bag swinging behind us that mm-hmm. tarp that's full of fish guys, um, and and you know they what they don't show also is you know the crab pots the crab pots were useless after the first week because um, the crab quit coming in there commercial fishermen came in and took the, all that out they were done they were only used for like two or three days and there's no more crab anyways right so <clears throat> so we built a teepee and we took the two crab pots and we hung those under under the teepee wrapped mm-hmm. it in some old tarp that we had. And I laid for about 18 hours in the rain under that teepee smoking the fish for 18 hours. And I would rotate wow. that fish around. Yeah. And then we pulled it into camp and we set it up over what we call Boris, which is our stove that we make. Yes. So every, <laughs> every night we Boris was doing some more smoking and we would just keep rotating that fish out. So there was so much bushcraft that went on. There was so much survival stuff that went on that, that because of all the drama on the show, it got pushed to the back. So, yeah, mm-hmm. you don't get to see a lot of that stuff. It's not a bad, it, I'm not saying it was wrong because there was a story to tell and they did it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's just no room for it, I guess. Yeah, I, gotta and- I gotta go back to a question that April asked about was there like a team that you seen and like kind of thought like, oh, they might win? Um, I wanted to break that down a little bit more because I think like when it comes to game shows or, or whatever you want to call this, as a spectator or somebody that's viewing it, especially like say Survivor alone, there's certain. Um, people that are participating that you cheer for right from the bat right mm-hmm. um yeah. you know you know for me to be honest is yourself justin um there's that uh another lady that went off really quick i was fairly disappointed i thought she was going to do well um mm-hmm. but was there anybody when you first kind of got together as a group on when you first started the show or anything and you've seen them as like a threat as in like those are the people i might i'm going to be competing against or were they yeah. always on your team no it, so it's it's human nature right when you first see these 16 people that you don't even know who you're gonna be on team with and you're standing at you're making assumptions right off the bat right mm-hmm. you look at those guys and you're thinking you know that's that's competition that's not going to last very long he's not dressed right man that guy looks tough so that's just as human nature and that happened then when you get on your team, I, again, the, on Delta team right off, I felt we were all pretty strong. I, I felt we all had our strengths and, and our weaknesses, and we kind of we kind of each supported those things. Um, but, no, I, I don't think that anyone – I think after the first two or three days, and it gets real, you know, you're hungry, you're cold, you're wet, and you're trying to, you're trying to get a shelter up, you're trying to find food, 
that thought never crosses your mind. That's it's mm -hmm. gone. Uh, mm -hmm. All those preconceived, preconceived uh, they're just gone. They're over with. They're, they're not a place for that anymore. You're just thinking, how do I get something to eat? How do I stay dry? Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm thinking back to like the tarps and like, I remember there being axes and I feel like there was a hammer in yeah. one of the episodes. Like, w did were you guys allowed to bring stuff? Yeah. So, so you were allowed to bring the clothes on your back. Basically you had uh, two pair of underwear, two pair of socks, uh, your long handles, a sweater, a rain jacket and a winter jacket. Uh, and in your outer pants and your in your boots and gloves and a hat. So that's all we brought. There was there was never a hammer on any episode. So uh, right off the bat, we're given each each team is given a survival bag, and in that bag are items. And you have an axe, a knife, mm -hmm. um, a survival or I'm sorry, a first aid kit. Um, you have a ten by ten tarp, and I'm sure I'm forgetting. So, so oh yeah, you have I'm sorry, you have a, a, a small wool blanket, and I think that's it. Yeah, I think that's it. And uh, then also the parachute that dropped the first big bag, we were mm -hmm. able to uh, scavenge anything we could from that. So you had teams cutting, you know, the the uh, paracord and taking the pieces of tarp. So and then anything that you found on the island, you know, that was already there was in play. Um, so, yeah, that's what we had. And so you didn't get any more supply drops. There was only the. Yeah, we, we did. We did. Uh, actually, I th if I'm not mistaken, the. Bo was in that supply drop, the original supply drop too. Uh, I think so. Yeah. So there was another supply drop after the uh, first seven days. There was a supply drop that we we each got the uh, sleeping bag. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything outside of that. Oh yeah, that was a supply drop for the raft build. You know, All there right. was um, there was some stuff in there. I think there was a few nails, uh, some wire, some rope. Um, there was also what you don't see was challenge for like the challenge they had for the crab pots. They also had mm -hmm. one for fishing gear. Uh, so we were able to get the hand reel, uh, in that fishing gear, you got a hand reel and some bait and then, uh, Delta camp. I was with Delta. Then we actually took all the fish, the three of the four fishing reels and we gave one to Delta. Mm -hmm. Um, so when I left, they're like, Oh, you took the fishing reel too. Yeah, I did because you have two more in your camp, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah. so they make it look like I stole their fishing reel too. And it wasn't the case. Matter of fact, the fishing rods you see leaning on, leaning on their camp, I made those. The flies that were tied to those, I made those. The dip net that was made, I made that. I left everything <laughs> that I made there. I took my sleeping bag. I took that camp's um, trap bag and my hand reel. That's all I took. Did you end up making, did you end up making those things again for Charlie? No, we didn't. So we didn't have to. Again, no matter what the, you know, what the people see, um, I think that we're all on pretty much decent. Uh, we all communicate still. Yeah. And when the show ended, we were all on, on not all of us, but most of us with Charlie Camp, um, when people would, they hated Alpha so much mm -hmm. that when another camp would leave, they had the option to leave their stuff or give it to you or whatever you want to do. You can go take their stuff. Oh. So when Delta left, we, we took their stuff. They mm. were gone. It was there, but we took their stuff. Uh, when Javier left, we took Javier's stuff. So that's how we wound up with extra gear. Right. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's definitely a lot of times in that and throughout the show where, um, when you're questioning like, well, how, like, for, like, for instance, sleeping bags, I'm like, how the hell did they get sleeping bags out there? 
Yeah. yeah. That, that wasn't shown. Yeah, that, that should, you know, again, that's one of those things that got left on the editing floor just because there wasn't enough time to fit it all in. I think they could have made this, you know, 16 episodes. And, and it'd mm, been great. Yes. Easily. Uh, yeah. yeah, it was just one of the drops. And oh, it was much needed. But I'll tell you, you know, at night it would get it would get uh, down to 18 degrees or less and sleeping bags were ready for 20. So you were still uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. When you were able to get two sleeping bags, that's when it was perfect. <laughs> Oh, right on april you got a, you got a bunch more questions or i i don't have a bunch more but this is like i think something that like the viewers or the, or the listeners especially if they don't see or haven't seen yet the mm. show i feel like i know one of the answers and maybe you have a few things because i binge watch yeah. but what do you think or what did and i'm pretty sure it was you that had these items what um what helped you hang in there for that long yeah so uh, again i was i was determined to only leave in one or two ways and it was mm-hmm. it was always my my kids back yeah. home you know um i i am um like i can't be gone for my kids from two for two days now and and i panic out and i have to be home with them so leaving them for that long i had to make it worth it right mm-hmm. and i knew that by being there and pushing through um that i could could give them a better life it, you know it, it's it's not you know, it's, it's not monstrous money, but it can definitely give them a better life and get, and give them a legs up, a leg up and also allow me to do, uh, you know, a few things. Uh, they just give us some cushion to live comfortably, you know? Yeah. Um, so the drive was, was always my kids and, and I volunteered for this. You know, there's people out there doing 10 times worse. There's, there's people in, you know, that's, that's suffering and, and they want to give up every day and, and they can't, right? And I volunteered for this and I'm going to give up. That's, that's just not happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, and then outside of those, the next the next two things was my teammates. You know, right. we, you form a bond with these people. And, and, and I'm not trying to compare this to war or anything like that, but trauma is trauma. And, and when you're out there that long and you go through that kind of trauma, you, you form a bond. Mm-hmm. And you talk to these people every single day and you, and when you hear why they're out there and how it's going to change their lives and better their lives, now their reason is now your reason. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had so many things to pull to pull from to make me stay in there that it was impossible for me to leave. And I do remember, I remember from, because I watched um, that you, you know, every time that, and I think you had said this somewhere that every time somebody had brought up your children, like it was very emotional for you. And I think I remember at one point somebody said something on the, I don't want to say negative side, but, but that really made you emotional in a different way. Yeah. Um, so I don't respond to haters, yeah. <laughs> you know, that because it, because they're going to be there, right? You, you've got kids in basements and sitting behind TV screen or um, computer keyboards. It's going to say stuff, you know, and, and you've got people who are, this show touched people on an emotional level and that's huge, right? If you can, if mm-hmm. you can trigger someone emotionally by watching, you know, a reality TV show, they've done something. So, so kudos to them. Uh, but some of these, some of these people, you know, um, they've got their, fa- their, their favorite didn't win and, and yeah. they'll say something negative and they have that right. And I respect that. Uh, but when you mention my kids, it hits, a, it hits another level with me and sometimes it'll spark a response. And I try, <laughs> try for it not to do that. I try not to get into that game because it, uh, to be honest with you, most of them I don't even I don't read a lot of it, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also in in the in the game show, like I I I felt I was a pretty hardcore person until they mentioned my kids and they mentioned them every single day, and it would break me down. If any time that you see me break down, when Jordan left, yeah, I was sad that Jordan left, but he mentioned my kids in the letter. 
I broke mm-hmm. down. When Angie left, I was super devastated that Angie left. And I would have cried regardless because of Angie left, but she mentioned my kids and I broke down. Mm-hmm. So that's, that was my, that was my, my, my soft spotter. That's what broke me is mentioning my family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to give April a little bit of time to maybe figure out her last couple questions about the show. And then uh, I got a couple other questions besides the show, but before we move on from the show, I got a couple more questions about that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's, that was a very confusing <laughs> sentence. Um, but uh, as a contestant on the show um, and then having producers on, on site and then now watching it, um, being able to reflect on it and you put everything together. If you were in that producer's chair, would you change anything differently? Like, would you? 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. T- tough question because would I change anything now knowing that it hit number two in Netflix in one, you know, in two days, three days, whatever mm-hmm. it was. That's that exactly. It, yeah. Yeah. How could you say, yeah, I would change that because it's yeah. pretty successful, right? There, there was no, there was no kind of, you didn't even know this was coming, like you said, right? It was just, oh, look, it's on Netflix. Oh, my gosh, it's in it's in top six. It's on four. It's on two. Where did this show come from? So <laughs> I can't say that I would change anything. I wouldn't um, from from a production side of it, which I'm not. From a contestant side of it, I would, I would want to tell the same story because it needed to be told, right? What happened, happened. But I think that some characters were let off very easy, and I think some paid a price they shouldn't have paid quite as much. So I would have tried to tell everyone's story a little better if time allowed i just don't think time allowed to, i think they would have done it but time just didn't allow it yeah i like it. if you have seven thousand hours worth of video i mean maybe we can find out who some of these people in production are and maybe they can do a spin-off about like bushcraft and the survival and they can do a spin-off about characters and actually who they portray um, uh, there's probably I've, a lot I've, of information I've got, there i've got two producers that wants to come on my podcast so maybe that'll happen Oh, that's awesome. We're going to have to stay yeah, tuned. Yeah. Um, and then I'm going to ask one more question about the show, and then we're going to leave it at that for, on my end and let uh, April okay. ask hers. But at the end there, um, you had to, like, do a walkout, basically, to get to the island first or however that worked. Mm-hmm. They, they made it almost look like that you were you're, you're really struggling. At that point in ah. the game, were you ready? Were you struggling or were you, like, skipping to the finish line? Like, what was that like? I know there's oh. probably a little bit of drama there. No, I was dying. Literally, I was dying. Oh, yeah? What, 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 yeah. What What you don't see is that that hike was actually nine miles. And okay. there was actually, the last few miles was actually in a boat rowing to an island that you had to get on. That that doesn't even show on there. Oh, I hope no, I not at all. That. Yeah, huh. so... So the first four and a half, five miles, like I was coming through the muskeg and the guys, if you notice, they, they were struggling keeping up with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm so mm-hmm. much taller. My legs are so much longer. had no problem. And then when I hit the island, you can, you can see, you know, Seth kind of took over and then Nick passed me. The problem was I was, I was just, I didn't have any energy left. And what you probably didn't see is like every 15, 20 yards, there was avalanche, so avalanches. And these would bring just mountainsides of trees down and you had to climb through these trees. I mean, mm-hmm. literally climb over and under. And every time I would do that, if you've ever been sitting down and you stand up real fast and you black have the mini blackouts, mm-hmm. every time I would do that, I would have those. And then it would take a minute. I was literally seeing in black and white the last mile and a half, two miles that I walked. Jeez. And in my head, my feet were moving six inches at a time. I would try to call out and nothing would come out. Never, never once did I can consider quitting. You know, um, I was literally going to have to, I would win out on my feet before I quit. Um, yeah, it was tough, man. It was really tough. It was. How far, how far ahead of the girls were you? <laughs> we, we, we had a comfortable pace. Yeah. We had, okay. we had a comfortable pace. I do. <laughs> I remember, I remember that part. And I remember like the guys calling back to you and like, come on, let's go, let's go. And, and I was like panicking just in complete panic. <laughs> 
watching because they're skipping back and forth, right? Showing showing where the girls are at and showing where you guys are at. And I'm like, Paul, if yeah. you don't pick it up, like I am really <laughs> I had one one guy sent me a sent me a message and it's funny. He sent me a message on Facebook or something and, and he was like, If I was there, I'd crush your hair with a rock. Oh my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> like that's um, a bit much. It, oh look, it gets crazy. Um, yeah, we had a, we had a, we had a pretty comfortable pace. I feel, uh, going, going into that and the calling back, come on, Paul, come on, Paul. Um, we were in no danger of being overtaken by that. And, and, and what we, what we had made it, a, you know, an agreement, a gentleman's agreement is that we would never get outside of the other guy, you know? Mm. So, and, and honestly, I needed that. I needed, I needed them to push me and, and I need to hear something to break me from my own thoughts in my head. None of which, by the way, were quitting, but I needed something to break, the, break, break that up, you know, and the pain that mm. I was going through, like I couldn't breathe. Literally, I couldn't draw full breath. I was cramping in my lats, in my stomach, in my legs. Like I was, I was, I was gone, man. I was gone. That's crazy. How you say that April. Cause I remember watching it too. And it's just like, you know, it's the production side of things where they're like, back and forth and i'm like these two villains cannot win this game <laughs> these guys gotta win this game they hey hey when, when, you know it was a year ago this, that this was actually filmed so i was sitting in the cabin and i was screaming at myself you better pick it up and i knew how <laughs> yeah. you know so <laughs> and you already knew you won oh yeah yeah but it, but it was you know you, we didn't even know when we got to the island and we and we seen that bag drop we, we thought that you know they were basically in the letter that we received that when we left was like be prepared to stay all night so we were like oh great we just came nine miles and there's going to be more tomorrow this is going to be horrible so the emotions that you've seen at the end of the show when we opened that bag those were real those mm-hmm. were real emotions man that was it, it's still surreal to this day uh, but those were real emotions Okay, I got one more quick one. Um, not about the show, kind of like post-show. Now that you're like, it's on Netflix. We've watched it. Everyone's watched it. What have you, have you found anything like that's been uh, positive or negative since the show that you, that you want to speak about? Yeah, I, I mean, look, there, I get a lot of, every day I'll, I'll get a, you know, a message from somebody that says, hey, you've inspired me to do better. Or, or every time I think about quitting, I think about that and, you know, like, man, it's just a reality TV show and, and someone that's touched someone. So mm-hmm. that means if I'm getting 15 of those and I'll get one negative remark, I don't care about that negative remark. And, yeah. and that's just, you know, to again, to, to touch someone emotionally with, with just being you says a lot, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's I, I can't say enough about that. And then also that I've, we've been able to keep our friendships with our, you know, with, with Delta. We talk every single day still yet. It's been over a year and we still talk every single day. We hang out with each other. We're family. And uh, so being able to expand my family uh, and I'm in, in the realness, in the realest way. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. There's so much positive that came out of this. So all the negative stuff, even if, even the negative stuff, it's a way for someone to vent. Right. So mm-hmm. if, if I'm your conduit to vent because your favorite character didn't win this. Okay. That's fine. Um, yeah. And a lot of the time, like the negative stuff really, you know, has almost has nothing to do with you, right? People just, I don't know, need to need to make their voices heard in some way. And, you know, and it just so happens that it's on your, you know, in your DMs. (laughs) Yeah. I, I, again, I try not to respond. And most of my those, I'll just hit the heart on it. But sometimes I'm bored and then I'm like, (laughs) I think I'm going to talk to this guy tonight. And it's fun. But I'll tell you probably, I would say 85, 90% of the people that I do respond to is very often, it's very, very seldom that I respond to a negative comment. 
but I'll, and I'll just be real and I'll say, Hey, what made, what pissed you off about it? What did I do? It made you mad. Mm -hmm. And uh, they'll tell me and I'll say, Oh, well, this is what happened. Did you not hear this? Or did you not see this? You're like, Oh, I missed that. And I'm like, yeah, this is, and they're like, Oh, should I go remove my comment? I said, absolutely not. That's what you felt. <laughs> no, don't remove it. No, and like, I'm sorry. I, I didn't know. And I'm like, that's no problem. It's there's a lot of stuff you don't know. Yeah. So there's it, a lot not, of stuff you don't know. <laughs> yeah. A lot of stuff, but, but I don't take any of it personal. And, and I hope that everyone that was on the show, um, you know, get something positive out of this. Even the girls are taking a beating over, you know, over how they played or, or the, you know, how they were portrayed on the show. Um, some things you, you, you know, you, you just got to own up to it happened. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. but I, I just, I want everyone to have a positive result from this. That that's what I'd like to have. Yeah. Those are some pretty, pretty good words there, Paul. Um, the, like the, the, that's the thing too. Like I call them like, Oh, the two villains, hopefully they didn't win, but I totally understand. They just, they just played a different part of the game. And like you said, when you go to a game and there's no rules, I mean, them being a little bit, uh, say extreme or over the top, even with Justin, it's like, yeah, okay, whatever. But it's, it's pretty cool that you and your team <clears throat> kept your composure and integrity to the finals, you know, and, and, and then won it because like throughout the show, anybody that's watching that, I think everyone was cheering for you guys, you know what I mean? So <laughs> yeah. it was like a, just about like the perfect ending, but uh, to be honest, like, I think this has been a really good episode. I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but I do have a couple more quick questions. That's not really show related, but maybe more outdoors related. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, no, we're um, and, I guess the first question I guess I got for you is like, you have kind of told us at the start that you're an avid uh, whitetail hunter, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, angler. Is there any like dream hunt that you are, it's on your bucket list that maybe you might be able to fulfill now that you've completed the show? Yeah. And, and that's one of the things with retiring a little bit early and that, and that's to start putting some one eighties or better on my wall for whitetail. So, uh, you know, uh, I'd like to get up into Alberta and Canada and do some, some big whitetail hunting. Um, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going on a, um, in May, I'm doing a uh, bow hunt safari in, in South Africa. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, you know, I've got an Idaho big game tag that I'm going to be uh, chasing in September, which was good for either, a, you know, a, a bull, bear, or or big cat. Um, so these things are, the opportunities are coming along. Um, but yeah, I just want to fill that big bull tag, you know, or, or get that first 180 plus uh, white tail on my wall. So those are the dreams that I'm trying to fulfill right now. What about uh, what about on the fishing side? Yeah, so I'm on the water a lot. I fish a lot of you know bass tournaments and things, and mm. and I made a few trips to Florida since I've been back and on some inshore fishing. Um, the tournament the tournament thing, uh, I was really passionate about that, and I've done some FLW stuff a, a few years back, and I I love it. Uh, but I think that I'm going to focus more on my bow hunting and just mm -hmm. recreational fishing uh, as far as the bass fishing goes. Maybe we can convince him to come up for uh, greenbacks, Shelly. Greenbacks, channel catfish, monster lake trout. Our province has an awesome fishery. Yeah. Yeah, awesome look, fishery. All you got to say is tell me when and where, and I'm there. <laughs> I'm <laughs> lake trout, I'm there. I'm yeah. There. Well, yeah. I'm, sure, uh, I'm sure after this episode we can uh, chat along the way and maybe get you up here. The other yep. the other thing I wanted to mention to you is, like, um, obvious, in my mind, in my mind is obvious, maybe it's not, but, like, you know, hunting is not only a passion for you, but it was part of, like, filling your stomach, right? Like, it was part of eating. Yeah. Um, you know, growing up, maybe without as much money, is there anything, like, 
you would do that you can maybe like give us tips and tricks on venison or like any of the wild meats you've been eating i mean like you know you talk to a lot of people and it's like oh yeah just back straps you know throw it on the barbecue and that's great but like do you have any other like little recipes maybe that we might not know about up here in canada yeah so so i guess in every home in eastern kentucky as soon as you bring that deer in obviously the back straps and hams come off the back straps and hams get uh, cut up and uh, you soak them, soak them in. And I'm going to struggle with this word, Worcestershire sauce. So we, you know, we soak it in that and then uh, fry it in some onions and you just eat it until you're sick. You know, it's, it's pretty yeah. simple to do. Um, and then for your hams, you know, we just throw it in a crock pot, uh, put some cream of mushroom soup. Bobby Worthington actually gave me a, a pretty good recipe for that um you know some carrots and, and things like that and and um let that thing cook down for 12 hours or whatever i mean i'm basic man i'm like every yeah. other hunter in the woods you know there's nothing special to it i just love eating it and, and love being part of it. And it, it at one time it was taking us about seven white till a year to get we eat so much deer wow oh, yeah um, nice yeah I, and that's a little, like the, one of the reasons why we started panoramic just a short little story for you paul is that that we found that like a lot of people um you know, in their mid twenties and getting older that didn't hunt or fish when they're growing up now want to like find the sustainable lifestyle where they can, mm-hmm. you know, fend for themselves, you know? So I get a lot of people asking me those questions like, well, what do you do with your, you know, your wild meat? Like, how do you, you know, get your, oh, yeah. you know, your wife to enjoy it. And I'm like, I always say like, when in doubt, get a crock pot and some soup mix because you that's can right. almost make anything taste <laughs> that's good. That's <laughs> right. You get the same recipes we have. It, that's absolutely right. I, I'll tell you my, um, so my daughters are really, really picky eaters. And uh, my four-year-old will not eat any any kind of deer, or I'm sorry, any kind of beef or anything like that. Uh, but rabbit and deer, you, she can't get enough of it. And oh, uh, that's cool. We, that's awesome. She got in trouble at school the other day. The teacher said she made some little girls cry. And I'm like, "What happened?" She said, "Well, she told me she liked the bunny rabbits." <laughs> and uh, the teacher's like, "No, no, no, no. Just just tell them that you like to eat rabbits." She goes, "Oh no, it's it's bunny rabbits. I like to eat bunny rabbits." So. So my kids are the same way. Uh, they'll, they'll only eat wild, wild meat. You know, it's just, uh, you have a taste for it or you don't, you know, but yeah, you're right. Crock pot fi- fixes everything. <laughs> and, and you know what? I am like, an, I'm not a crock pot wild game okay. person. I don't know. We okay. just don't, uh, like a- any piece of uh, deer that can be sliced, like nice thick steaks. We do as yeah. much as we can in steaks and just like our very first meal so when i was growing up the very first thing that mom would cook when we brought a deer home was liver so she would clean and clean and clean and clean and rinse the liver and then she would Mm. slice it really fine and bread it and we used to do sandwiches which would be onions the breaded liver Mm. and um honey garlic sauce and then when my husband and i started hunting together and we would shoot a deer it turned into we would take just a little bit of the backstrap and we would mm. slice it and we would throw it on the grill and then we would do what we call backstrap baconators which is mm. a, like a bread backstrap cheese bacon like a spicy mayo um grilled onions all of yeah. that kind of stuff yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, with, with with even with us, you know, like I said, we were really poor, so you use what you had. So the whiskey sour sauce was was really good for us to have, and everyone had bags of onions, and you had bags of flour. So we'd roll that in after the whiskey sour sauce. We'd roll it in flour, and then just fry it in the grease with the onions, and it just become a staple. And it just happens to be really good, also. So, uh, but but yeah, I'm, I can eat it like that, or I can just take it straight off and put it over a fire and eat it that way too. It's just it's just what I've raised on. It's great. 
And, you know, you, you mentioned a lot of younger people just getting into, you know, substantial, substantial living or whatever you would want to call that subsistence living. Thank you. And uh, they don't know how to, you know, smoke a fish. They don't know how to process a deer on their own. They don't know how, you know, to can that deer meat. We do a lot of canned deer meat, which is really good. I don't know if you've tried that or not. Um, there's so many things they can do. Um, and that's one of the things that, that I, that I'd like to actually work on, um, you know, moving forward is to to do little things like we go to properties and help people that don't know how to hunt that sit up and hunt that and then maybe show mm -hmm. people how to process game and how to that's it's something that we're looking into and something that you know uh bobby works for a company that that's what they do on a large-scale level you know they'll come in take these two thousand acre properties and they'll they'll look at that property and say okay this is how you improve your deer habitat this is oh, yes. how you hunt these deer so, so that's something that, um, that they do. Um, so there's, there's plenty, there's plenty of room for that out there. And, and Hey, anybody that's got any questions about it, they can hit me up anytime they want. <clears throat> yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty cool. And, you know, I'm maybe just going to do my kind of final thought while we, while we wrap this up and, you know, um, that, that's one thing, like, like I said, like kind of why we started panoramic, but at the same time, um, you know, anytime anybody has questions it seems like our outdoor world our outdoor community is very open to answering them and it mm -hmm. just like goes to show even for yourself paul you know like i reach out to you hey you want to jump on and we'll, we'll have a chat and you're like instantly like yes you know and that's like one of the best things that i like about our community as an outdoors community is that we're there to like help each other out and um i i honestly i'm very happy to have you on not only just because of the show but it's like you know, extending the olive branch, you're getting into the podcast world, you're getting into the outdoor world. Um, we're more than happy to like help you out, do whatever we need to do to help you out. We're going to put all of your stuff on our, on our show notes. Um, and then probably when this, with this uh, episode releases, we'll throw everything up on our social media as well. So, um, awesome. but yeah, thank like you for me, for me personally, like on behalf of me personally, like, I just want to say thank you very much and keep doing what you're, what you're doing. I want to see you with a bunch of success here and I'm sure I'll see it. So thank you guys so much. It is a joy being on the show. I've looked forward to it all week. I, I couldn't wait to do it. And, <laughs> and, you know, I messaged you today and, and was, was hoping that we'd be able to do it. So, uh, same thing, anything I can do for you guys, if, if there's ever anything I can do, just, just hit me up. I'm, I'm, I'm in, just consider me in. Perfect. <laughs> just uh, consider me in. <laughs> yeah, I'm done. I'm there. April, uh, any, uh, April, any final thoughts before we uh, wrap this up? I, nothing major. I just, I'm just super happy that this worked out. Like, I had mentioned to Sheldon Paul that I was like, have you seen it? We need to have him on the podcast. Like you need to contact him. And he's like, I don't know, Shelly, I think it was maybe like an hour later. You're like, okay, yeah, we're going to have him. I'm like, are you serious? This is like the most exciting thing ever. Yeah. I, so. I had honestly been, been, I've probably gotten four or five requests uh, before yours to do them, but they, none of those were hunting podcasts. Okay. And, mm. and I had done so many with like uh, Netflix and Tudum and these, mm -hmm you know, these Hollywood stuff and on these, these news channels for Hollywood. And I'm like, I kind of felt like I had to do those, you know, yeah. but I didn't, at some point I had to get away from Outlast and, and then transition into the outdoor world. So mm. as, uh, as soon as you, I was so happy to see it come from a you know, hunting channel and I, I was tickled to death to, to, uh, to get that for sure. Pa um, Paul, are you going to get your podcast onto like Spotify or anything? Or are you going to stay sort of a video? Well, and, and what is the name of your podcast? Yeah. So, so look, anybody that's a deer hunter is probably going to say, you know, you dummy that between the horns, they don't even have horns. They have antlers. So, <laughs> but, I, but look, a lot of people, there's, there's a couple of things going on here. One, you know, between the horns, so I've got two white tail on my wall, my, two boat kills. 
and I'm sitting between those. So the between the horns is your brain, right? So we want you thinking. Yeah. So so it's kind of it was kind of a play on words for there. Um, and and maybe we change it, right? Because I probably because if you go to that looking for a hunting show, you're not going to find that right now. Um, but but there is a way that we're we're going to uh, start moving in that direction, and mm-hmm. then hopefully uh, the reality TV show is just is just gone. Um, yeah. I don't know if staying with the video is something we'll do, and I am going to do the other formats eventually. I, I finally got uh, good good headsets and, and good sound systems, so now we're looking for good cameras. So once I feel like that I'm up to par, that I can give uh, the outdoor world and the people I'll be interviewing a respectable interview, then then I'll hit the other platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I don't want to go in there and give them some subpar interview and, and then it just be a waste of their time, and then also viewers won't listen. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if I'll say it's a video or not. We'll we'll see. The funny thing was, is when I first seen it, uh, between was it between two horns, right? Yeah, between the horns podcast. Between yeah. the horn. So the first thing I thought it was was like a play, kind of like a play on words. Maybe that's what it's called or whatever. Between, um, between two ferns with Zach Galifianakis or whatever that guy's name is. And I was like, so, I'm like, oh, maybe it's like between two horns, like. <laughs> yeah, so it it actually came from that. That is the fun. I know I I love that. It's so funny. So we got that. Oh, it's and so also, good. I'll, I'll tell you another thing. Um, and um, yeah, there there's another between the horns podcast out there. Okay. And yeah, but I I actually own between the horns podcast dot com. So maybe they'll reach out. <laughs> maybe they'll reach out and say, hey, we want to buy that. You need to change your name. So yeah. We'll, <laughs> yeah. That's funny. I think uh, I actually stumbled upon that podcast when I was looking for yours. Yeah. They, um, hey, and got, I was like, that's not bank. Paul. <laughs> yeah. They, hey, they've got the pocketbook to do that too. So we'll see. There you go. Okay. Well, yeah. I'm not going to uh, take up any much more of your time. If you guys want to look for Paul, check him out on YouTube. Um, and like I said, check out our notes at the end of the show here or on our show notes on Apple or Spotify obviously, because you're listening to it uh, and all the information will be on there. But thanks again, Paul. Um, thanks for jumping on. And and to be honest with you, if you even if you don't get that 180 class there, I want to get you back on here soon and maybe talk anytime. a little bit less show and more more hunting and fishing. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, anytime. Hey, would it, would it be OK to plug a couple of things? Yeah, absolutely. I should have asked earlier. My apologies. Yeah, no, no worries. So so uh, guys go out and look at Osseo Camo. Uh, if you're a bow hunter, it's it's a must have. It's really top notch gear. Uh, the camo pattern is great. It blends in really well. And I wouldn't say it if I didn't believe in it. Um, I, I have it on now, so you can you can see what the gear looks like. It's it's made for bow hunters. Um, so uh, go check that out. It's Osseo camo, uh, and also uh, I swear, uh, if you seen the ugly gray sweater that I had on, it's actually mm-hmm. pretty in the show. That's that that's I swear, and uh, it's merino wool. It's really good stuff. Um, and I'm not sponsored by either of these people, uh, but they're really good people, and, and you know, and I just, you know, they've they've helped me a little bit along the way. So awesome. Return that favor. Yeah, like the that Osseo camo. I've, I've seen them around on uh, social media and stuff, and oh yeah, you know, finding a good camo for up north and in, in, you know, in Canada when we're mm-hmm. bow hunting, like I'll bow hunt until it's. Um, you know, minus 20 degrees Celsius, you know, so I'm always looking for the, the, the best gear. So that might be uh, next on the, on the bucket list to get some gear that yeah. way. Yeah, check them out. It's, it's, it's top notch gear for sure. Okay, right on, Paul. Thanks a lot for jumping on and we'll, we'll catch you down the trail. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for having me, God. All right, bye-bye. Well, Tristan, the guy is pretty awesome. And uh, April and I did this show or did this episode 
And it was pretty good because she watched, I don't know, did you watch any of it? But she watched the entire thing. I watched the entire thing. So we, we had a million questions for him. But did you happen to catch any episodes on Netflix? You know, I haven't caught them yet. But after uh, hearing the combo, like it sounds like it, it'd be worth checking out and like just seeing, especially knowing some of, some of the behind the, behind the scenes stuff. Like it feels like it, it'd almost be like a pretty cool to watch it after the fact too. Yeah. Speaking of shows, you and your, you and Chaser went to a good one. Oh yeah, we got out to see Mr. Barber there in the Park Theater at uh in Winnipeg and man just deep appreciation for the the shows that Dell puts on cuz he's he's one of the best storytellers I've ever seen, maybe the best. And uh yeah, just get to see some some local music again cuz we we were missing it there for a while too. So glad to see it back up and running. Did he play Big Smoke? He didn't play Big Smoke. I I gasped a little. I was <laughs> I was hoping for Big Smoke in meantime, and I didn't hear either. But he's got his his new album there. He's playing some bangers. He and he even covered a couple songs. So it, it was cool to see. It was it was a different show than you might expect from like maybe not expect, but like it was a he, there was a lot of new material there. So it was kind of right. cool to see. Nice. And well, what does he have for a band with him? Like, does he have like a guitar, drums, keyboard? Like, what does he all have there? Yeah, he's so- got a steel guitar. Yeah, it's a steel guitar, drums, um, but f- folks are hopping all around on instruments. They're like, I think a mandolin makes an appearance. Oh, nice! Like there's, uh, I think there's like a a triangle or something at some point. I could be wrong, but like yeah. I was also I was also pretty drunk at this concert by the time. Oh, awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's that's great. You gotta yeah. do that once in a while. Let your hair down. I yeah. see. There's a thing when it comes to music is when, uh, especially live. But like all, even all music, I, I like, I like the song, let's say, but there's certain instruments that I like really like can really hear out of the song. And like, for instance, um, you know, like Molly Crew and Tommy Lee's on the drums and he starts giving her and then I always pick up the drums for some reason. And I like have a huge appreciation for how good he is at the drums, you know, or like someone that's just giving her on the guitar or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then it like almost takes, for me, it takes like the song away. And then I'm like listening to the instrument. So totally, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, other than that is, uh, I guess, uh, I guess lastly, what I'll say from my end of things before we let everyone go here today is that, um, yeah, we will be in Yorkton. Uh, we just got back from Yorkton by the time you hear this. So we're going to get our store back up and running. Um, it's kind of like temporarily shut down uh, during these shows. So we'll uh, have everything back up and running and our stock up to date. And we'll be ready for you guys to order some stuff. And if you can't order stuff from us and support us by buying some merch or some catch and cook or whatever you whatever you find on the, uh, on the website, um, you can also check out our recipes. I think we got a few on there and we've got a, the panoramic journal where we've got blog posts from Tristan, uh, Nate Crothers hack. Um, and yeah, if you, and not only that, if you ever want to, you know, write up a blog post about something or whatever, send it to us. We'll, we'll be more than happy to, to post that. Uh, that's www.panoramicoutdoors.com. And if you can't support us that way, I mean, always give us a like, a share, tell your friends, um, go on Spotify or Apple and give us a rating that helps us out. And we really appreciate everyone that listens. Awesome, man. I'm going to wish you luck on the road and uh, I hope you tear it up one night. I just going to put that out there. Well, the stars play Friday night when we get there. So I might be a little uh, hungover Saturday at the show. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, sorry, I was thinking about sending Willie with you this this weekend, but I might need to do (laughs) some training. I got hacky. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Hack's not as well behaved as Willie, I don't think so. 
Yeah, but he's super tall and he's a he's like my bodyguard. So so everyone will be able to see where our booth is. He'll be the tallest one there, probably. <laughs> awesome, man. All right. Well, wish you well, folks, in the woods and the water. And if we don't see you, keep that powder dry, edge on the knife, and uh, maybe keep your tinder bundle dry too. I don't know. Keep keep a bit lighter on you. What's that good survival one there, Sheldon? Um, grab that Forge Fairworks knife. Okay, that's a good one. Yeah, that would help a lot. Oh, I totally messed that up though. Fair Forge works. Man.